0: I don't think I've ever witnessed a time when the whole world was in turmoil as much as it is right now. I mean, people are anxious; they're worried. People are wanting to get back to their uh, to work uh, or get out of their houses, and but they're uncertain as to when it's going to be safe to do so. You know, if you six months ago, if you could have could take a snapshot of the world as it is today. And showed it to people six months ago, nobody would believe the situation we're in. Nobody would believe this worldwide pandemic that has uh, interrupted and disrupted everyone's lives around the world. Um, You know, in in, in a time when cultural change was already happening at a faster pace than ever before in history, it's like suddenly we've gone into warp speed. And even people who thrive on change are on overload, and those who have a hard time with change, they're just longing for life to get back to normal, and beginning to to to, to fear to um, fear that the normal that they once knew is gone for good. And you know, and that's really the thing: we're living in a new normal, and. You know, we will get through this coronavirus. Things will eventually stabilize again, but when they stabilize, it'll be to a new normal. The good news, though, is that even in the midst of all this change, even in the midst of the instability of the economy and the uncertainty of when businesses and schools and churches and you know, can open again, we can have peace. That's what I want to talk about today. Finding peace in Jesus. We're going to look at John chapter 20. Now, a couple of weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we looked at the beginning of this chapter and talked about how Mary Magdalene had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and then she went and told the disciples about it. Well, today we're going to start with what happened later that evening. And I want to start with John 20. I want to start reading in verse 20, or excuse me, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. This passage, as we said, takes place on the evening of the day of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene had already come to them that morning with this wild story about seeing Jesus alive again. But the disciples had not yet seen him. And it was now evening and they were all locked behind, locked in, closed in behind locked doors because they were afraid that the Jewish leaders would come and have them arrested and then do the same to them as they did with Jesus. So in a sense, they were sheltering in place as we are, though for different reasons. The doors were locked, fear gripped their hearts, confusion swirled in their minds. I mean, what was going on? What's this wild story Mary had told them about that morning? What does it all mean? And then suddenly, without so much as a knock on the door, let alone anyone going and unlocking the door, Jesus was standing there in the room, right in the middle of them. And he says, peace be with you. And at those words, their fear was dispelled. Here's what I want us to see. When Jesus enters, fear exits. When Jesus enters into a room, when he enters into our lives, when he enters into a situation, fear exits. When Jesus enters the room and he speaks peace, Fear suddenly turned into joy. And in case there was any doubt about the reality of what had happened and what had transpired that day, in case there was any doubt about the fact that it really was him, physically risen from the dead, he gave them unmistakable proof. He said, Look, here's the holes in my hand, here's the gash in my side. There was No doubt that it was, in fact, Jesus and that he was risen from the dead. When they experienced the presence of Jesus, their fear was replaced by joy. We're surrounded by fear these days. Everywhere you turn, people are fearful. There's fear of coming down with the coronavirus, fear of losing a loved one, fear of losing a job, fear of economic collapse, fear of uh, that that we're going to have a repeat of this, all this over again in the fall and the winter. I want to ask you something. What are your fears? What are your fears? What is it that keeps you up at night, interrupting your sleep? What's been giving you stress headaches and causing anxiety in your life? What's been sending your blood pressure up? Is it related to the coronavirus or is it something else? Whatever it is, Jesus is standing before you and he says to you today, peace be with you. You know, at Jesus' birth, the angels announced peace. In Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And then in John 14:27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He says you're not going to find it anywhere else. It's only found in him. John 16:33 says, I've told you all this so that you may have, may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. With everything that's going on right now, everything that would rob us of peace, Jesus steps in and he speaks peace into our lives. God doesn't expect us to live in fear and turmoil that's not his will. He doesn't want us to live in fear and turmoil. Jesus comes to us as the Prince of Peace, and he wants peace for our lives. That's what his will is, that we would be able to enjoy his peace. As Paul wrote to the, in the letter to the Philippians, the peace God gives, he says, exceeds anything that we can understand. And that peace will guard our hearts and minds. And then here back in in John chapter 20, as Jesus stood before the disciples, he says it again. He says it a second time, peace be with you. So I read that and thought, wow, he's saying it twice. I thought, aren't there times when sometimes God has to speak the same thing to us twice before we receive it? Sometimes it takes a little while for God's word to sink into our lives, to sink into our hearts. But he said it again, and then he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And along with the Holy Spirit, he gave the authority to announce the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he authorized the disciples to, to make that announcement, to make that proclamation of forgiveness for the sins of the world. And as believers, that's what we do. We announce forgiveness of sin to any and all who will receive it. And as the story continues, we see, though, that one of the disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus appeared. He comes in later, and they all try to tell him they had seen Jesus, but he just wasn't having it. He wouldn't hear it. And that's how he gets the name Doubting Thomas. In fact, he flat out says in John 20, 25, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. He refused to believe it. Have you ever had anyone tell you, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And even then, often they won't believe it. You know, maybe it just seems too good to be true. Or maybe they just have no grid for it, or maybe it just doesn't fit their worldview. And with Thomas, it could have been any or all of these things. It's probably a combination. But there are people who, no matter what you tell them or what you show them, they just refuse to believe. I remember when we lived in Fort Wayne, I remember talking to a, a young man about who Jesus is, and I opened my Bible, and, and you know, he just flat-out told me to put it away. He said, I don't care if you can show me in there where Jesus is God. I don't want to hear it. He was flat-out refusing, and that's a dangerous place to be in. See, Thomas, he didn't believe it when Mary Magdalene said that she had seen Jesus. And he refused to believe that the other disciples that evening had seen Jesus. I mean, let's face it. He was there when the soldiers crucified him. He watched him die. There was no possible way. I mean, can you blame him? Seriously. Can you blame him? He saw it. He was a witness of the the crucifixion. And that's where he gets the nickname that we all know him by, Doubting Thomas. How unfortunate that a faithful follower of Jesus is forever labeled by one moment of doubt, one moment of weakness. I mean, just a short while before that, he was ready to fight and to die with Jesus. Why don't we remember him for that? Why don't we call him Thomas the Bold or Thomas the Brave? No, he's forever labeled with Doubting Thomas because in a moment of despair, in a moment of disillusionment, he wouldn't believe an unbelievable story. But Jesus understood Thomas's weakness, and he wasn't finished with him. Thomas' moment of weakness and doubt and disbelief didn't disqualify him for the plans God had for him so a week goes by. And then this is what we read starting in verse 26. 8 days later. So that would put this at the next Sunday, the Sunday after the day of the resurrection, because the days on both ends of the week were counted. So it started counting week 1 was the day of the resurrection. And week eight was the or or, excuse me day one was the day of the resurrection, and day eight was the uh, the following Sunday. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. First, I want you to notice, for one thing, the doors were still locked. Why? because they were still dealing with the very real possibility that the Jewish leaders could come and have them arrested. I mean, let's face it, it had only been a week later. And uh, so, you know, even after meeting the risen Christ, the disciples still dealt with fear. It was still a struggle for them. I mean, they personally experienced the risen Christ, and yet soon fear starts creeping in again, and they're behind locked doors. See, the thing is, they're just like you and me. They still had their moments of fear, you know, worrying about what was going to happen. Even when we know that there's no reason to fear or worry or be anxious, it still tries to creep in sometimes, doesn't it? But as we've been saying all along, we can't stop fear from rearing its head and trying to creep back in, but we don't have to camp out there. We don't have to live in fear. We have to guard our hearts, as Proverbs said. So once again, Jesus enters the room, just as he did a week earlier, and he says, peace be with you. And once again, his peace just floods the room. And as Jesus turns to Thomas, he uses Thomas's own words, the very thing that Thomas said, and he said, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. And then he said, Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I want you to notice Jesus didn't start chastising him for not believing right away. He didn't say, Thomas, you know, you 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 know you're worthless, you're this and you're that. He didn't start downgrading him and, and chastising him for for uh, for not believing. Jesus met him where he was at, and he offered the same proof to Thomas as he did to the other disciples a week earlier. Yeah, Thomas, look, it's, re- it's, it's really me. Here's the proof. Check it out. See for yourself. Look at my hands. Look at my side. See for yourself and believe. He says in verse 27, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now, verse 27 can also be translated this way. Stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. Every day we're doing one or the other. We're either moving farther away in unbelief or we're drawing closer in faith. Thomas had started going down a road of unbelief and Jesus stood in the middle of that road and invited him to do an about-face and walk with him in the opposite direction. In a pivotal moment in Thomas's life, It was time for a decision. Jesus knew what Thomas needed in order to believe. And he provided it. But the decision was still Thomas's to make. It was decision time. And as Jesus stood before Thomas, invited him to examine the evidence, he says, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. It's time, Thomas. Either you're going to believe me or not. It's up to you. It was still Thomas' choice of whether he would believe or whether he would continue to walk in denial and unbelief. Then Thomas made one of the boldest declarations of faith that you'll find in any of the four Gospels. He turns and looks at Jesus and turning from unbelief to faith he declares my lord and my god in that statement thomas is declaring the truth of who jesus was he's in making that statement thomas is boldly declaring the full deity of jesus my lord and my god jesus commended him for this belief and then said And blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about us there. Thomas. Thomas was done with his doubts. He stepped out of his doubts and stepped into faith. And history tells us that that road of faith took him all the way to India as a missionary, as an evangelist, where he continued to boldly declare Jesus Christ as the the risen Lord. Let me ask you something this morning. Where do you stand with Jesus? If he stood before you today and said, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer, how would you respond? Maybe you're still examining all the evidence. Or maybe you've examined it all. And the Holy Spirit has gripped your heart. And you're ready to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and your God and surrender your life to Him and live the rest of your life for Him. If you're looking for peace in your life, if your life is filled with turmoil, anxiety, worry, fear, the only way you're going to find peace, the only place you're going to find it, is in a relationship with Jesus. If you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus this morning, if you're ready to to stop going down the road of unbelief and begin to believe, if you're ready to stop being an unbeliever and be a believer, then I invite you to pray with me right now. You can just repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, Like Thomas, I want to stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. I believe that you rose from the dead. Your word is all the proof I need. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let your peace fill every area of my life. Removing my fear. Speaking peace to my anxiety. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do us a favor. Let us know if you just made the decision to stop becoming an unbeliever to cross the line, take the step, and become a believer. You can mention it in the comments or send us an email. But let us know. And now for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. And now let's close out with one more worship song.